For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. Welcome, Browns backers. I'm Chuck Campisi, joined by Tony Dick, and this is Believe in the Browns. And just to give you a quick background on who your hosts are, Tony Dick worked in various capacities with the Browns over the course of 21 seasons with the team. So when he mentions being in the building, it's being in the building. He started with the team as a member of the Browns crew in 91, worked with them up until the time they left for the city who shall not be named. Uh, <laughs> he rejoined the Browns upon their return to Cleveland and served his last nine years with the team as the team's manager of alumni relations before leaving in October of 2015. Tony is also a member of the Pro Football Researchers Association and has served as a research assistant for several documentary projects with NFL Films, NBC Sports, Time Warner Cable Sports Channel, and Epics. Myself, I have experience in the sports industry in various capacities with Major League Baseball teams, NCAA programs, the Miami Dolphins, the Buffalo Bills, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, where I earned a Super Bowl ring with the Buccaneers. Super Bowl, anybody? 37. 37. Uh, and between Tony and I, we've probably worked about 20 Super Bowls. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Welcome, Browns backers. Once again, it's Charles Campisi here with Tony Dick and... We are Believe in the Browns. We're brought to you by the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. Do you believe? Again, if you enjoy the show, please subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Luminary, Spotify, or wherever you find your favorite podcasts. You can find us at Believe.com. That's B-L-E-A-V.com. And at Believe Podcasts. That's at B-L-E-A-V Podcasts. Last time, we talked about some of the Browns' signings in terms of Austin Hooper, Jack Conklin, Case Keenum, Tony. Oh, yeah. This time, we're going to break down some of the signings that they've made since that time. So we're talking Carl Joseph, Andy Janovich, B.J. Goodson, Jojo Natson, Donovan, Donovan Alumba, Andrew Sendejo, and Kevin Johnson. So a heavy focus on the defensive side of the ball but players from a broad spectrum of, of backgrounds. We'll start with the player that I think is probably going to be the most important player out of all of those signings, um, Carl Joseph, right, at the, at the safety position. 
Um, 26-year-old has been a part-time starter, um, solid contributor for the Raiders, um, stepping into you know a defensive backfield that that needs some help. Um, what do you see with Coral Joseph for the coming season and his role potentially with the Browns? Well, I, I mean, at this point, I think anybody back there is is good. I mean, it, it, we we said the last time we met that um, you know I think we both like the additions to the offense. Yet you know the defense is severely lacking. You know it's it's been one of those things the last three years. It to me it's it's been a mystery because we've added some big names. You know, and big names have popped in and out for the last three years, and we've talked about how the defense was probably going to be the strength of the team. And and I just think, you, you know, when you watch them up close, I mean, we have just not been able to cover that deep threat. We have not been able to stop runners. Um, I think teams run at us at will. Um, but really, for the the cornerback and safety positions. We, we just that that there's always that we do okay we do okay we do okay and then we give up that long pass um and i think certainly adding joseph that at least solidifies that middle a little bit i mean do, do we you know are we done i hope not i mean there's a, <laughs> there's a ton up the middle that we need help with but i think that's certainly someone who's young um as you said he's um somebody who, who can you know we can work him into our rotation, we can mold him into something. Um, he's not a huge, um, you know, hit on our cap, you know, space. So I think we got him at a pretty decent price. Um, I don't know. I, I think it's a good addition. You, you know, as I said the other day, you know, the one thing that I do like about our off season is um, we've got our big splash names um, that we've brought in. Um, but I think we, we've done a we've done a pretty good job of just bringing in some average Joes too to fill in space because this team does need depth and I, I think we're addressing those issues Andrew Barry so far I cannot complain about what he's done I mean yeah and if you're looking I mean if you're looking at the depth chart right now I mean he's Joseph is slotting in as as your starting strong safety and a guy who has started a little bit in the in the past is a younger guy so you're hoping maybe Hey, you're hitting that 26-year-old, 27-year-old season. You're talking peak athletic performance. And hopefully he can adapt to the system quickly. He's going to not be a role player, but like you said, not a huge cap hit. So hopefully we can bring in some of that competition for him and not just leave it where it is. Um, so then move on to, I guess, his starting uh, partner in the safety realm. Um, you're starting for free safety right now. Is probably going to be Sandejo. Yeah. I like Sandejo because he was with Woods and Stefanski in Minnesota, so they're familiar with him. Veteran presence. He has some improved coverage skills in the back half of his career. The the thing that worries me is a guy that's going to be in his 33 year old season in the defensive backfield. You're hoping that those coverage skills can hold up. Um, for a guy that, you know, while younger than us, is still at an advanced age from a safety standpoint. Uh, yeah, I mean, my, my hope there is that that's someone that's being brought in for that familiarity with the with the process and the team, you know, the attitude, all that nonsense. And, and I, I'm, I'm hoping that he's, he's being brought in to be a depth guy. I, I still think that even with his signing, they need to go after. I mean, we need to load up in the secondary. Um, 
you know, that's one thing that, um, you know, the whole middle, I think if you look at this division now, um, I mean, in, in order to succeed here, you, you've got, you've got to be able to be good up the middle. And, um, you know, we've got some gaps, um, it, you know, we were weak at safety already. And then, you know, at linebacker, we're kind of still up in the air as far as, uh, the holes we, you know, we're going to fill there. Um, I, I, I like his pickup. I think it's a great addition, but I'm hoping that he isn't forced to be a starter for all 16 games. Otherwise, uh, he, I don't know if it's that great of a pickup. Yeah, and, I, and I'm in the same boat. I think you know he can he can play a role for this team, and I think a large part of that role is what you mentioned with a familiarity with that coaching staff, familiarity with the system, ability to coach some younger guys, being that veteran presence bringing that kind of competition every day because from his standpoint you know he wants to be a starter yeah. so he's not going to roll over and and let somebody take the spot from him but hopefully from just a performance standpoint he's not the guy that we have to rely on uh, from that standpoint and and, and, and you know here, here's the thing too let's not you, you know we say well you know we kind of we kind of say it as an afterthought we brought him in as a veteran uh, veteran presence let, let's not um, let's not minimize that, or, or you know, make make that into something that's not a big deal. Because if we look at last season, if we look at the talent we had in the locker room, it, it in in all the money we spend and all the big name free agents and all that nonsense, the one thing we were lacking was a veteran presence in the locker room, and what we were lacking was maturity. Um, you know, professionalism. You go down the line, name all the positive things that a football player should have, and we were missing those things. And as a result, um, you, you have guys doing stupid things. They're being suspended for chunks of the season. You have guys uh, you, you know, acting out uh, before the game, after the game, in-game. Um, you look at the number of uh, penalties we had. I mean, those are all things that you would hope if you have a strong veteran presence, those things go away. And um, so to bring somebody in there uh, you, you know, like him, I, I think – that you're getting a bargain, I think, with that. If if you've got someone in that can shape that stuff up, because it doesn't do you any good to ha to have big name, you know, high, high priced, marquee free agents if they're not able to play for half a year, or you know, or no. And that's, you know. I mean, and that's the thing, and we'll get to that not being able to play for half a year in a second with the next guy we discuss. But if you're looking at those things, the tough part about it is you never know. Right, you never know how that guy's gonna fit in this locker room. If people are gonna follow, if people are gonna listen. So yes, those are all things that you don't want to minimize, but you can't. I think sometimes teams automatically say that, oh well, the guy's been in the league for eight years, a veteran presence. That doesn't necessarily mean anything. There's been guys in this locker room that have been outstanding performers for numbers of years that I wouldn't necessarily call veteran leaders yeah. because they kept to themselves or they they yeah they took care of what they needed to take care of, but. They were unwilling to maybe call people out or or they were unable to communicate the way they went about things to other individuals that were in that locker room and it just didn't carry over. So yeah. you can't you can't guarantee that stuff either. I think we both agree that hopefully he can provide those things and those aren't um, minimizable skills, but that just because some you want somebody to do thing something doesn't necessarily mean that they're gonna be able to pull that off um, mm -hmm. in any environment. 
from a health standpoint, <laughs> the next signing, right, we'll stick in the defensive backfield. We'll run through that first. We'll run through our defensive guys first. Then we'll get to the, to the offensive guys that um, were either traded for or signed. Kevin Johnson. So while a player that's been in the league for a period of time and has some decent stats, right, and did a decent job with the Texans and the Bills, you're looking at someone that in my opinion health is a skill he does not have that skill right he's an okay player when he's healthy but he has rarely been healthy has not complete you know completed a full season last year completed a full season his rookie year but in those intervening years you know missed 29 games um so almost a full season of missed games in a three-year span yeah i I don't know if that's a i think that might be a pickup where you're you're hoping to maybe get reps out of him during training camp, and you're you're willing to give him a chance. But I don't think that's one. I'm hoping that's not somebody you picked up thinking this is a solution to a problem. I I think it's somebody. It's a you know low risk, high reward if he can pan out or if he can turn the ship around. But I think more than anything, sometimes you bring in a guy like that. He's just a guy to be a place filler. Um, take some reps during practice, uh, give some people a look, and then, you know, you cut cut bait on him if, if he doesn't pan out. Um, yeah, and I think realistically, I mean, from a cornerback standpoint, with Denzel Ward and Greedy Williams, if they can stay healthy, those are your two guys. You know that, right? Yeah. So you're looking for that nickel corner, potentially a dime guy that you can bring in. Could Kevin Johnson be that guy? Yeah, if he stays healthy, yeah. he could be. You know, that might be a great role for him. So I think you're right, right? You take that flyer. Hey, if this guy can make it through training camp healthy for us, then he might have a shot to be a contributor. And he's on that. He's on a one-year kind of prove-it deal, yeah. right? So, again, not a ton of um, skin off the Browns' salary cap, even if they cut him yeah. from that standpoint. So, well, And even uh, like we said, we're, we're lacking in depth. So if you bring him in there, he's... Probably, I'm hoping he's not ever penciled in as a starter. I, I, yes. Um, so, you know, I think it's a safe, it's a safe pickup. Um, is you know, I don't know if there's anyone better out there. I mean, at this point, you're pulling people in off the street and you're just trying them out. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, at this point. Yeah. Uh, so then the the last defensive backfield signing, um, you know, this is essentially exactly the guy you were talking about. Um, in terms of that, Donovan, Donovan Alumba. Uh, I mean, you're taking a flyer on a guy who's young, yeah. and you're hoping, hey, maybe he can show us something during training camp that we keep him on the roster, and he could be, you know, a dime package guy, or he could maybe be a returner, or he could be some kind of special teams ace. You're looking for somebody that's just willing to do whatever it takes and able to perform at a, you know, a modicum of competitive level. Yeah, and, and and at this point, you, you know, and I, I don't, I, we can address this later. You, you know, I'm I'm wondering in my mind, you know, as somebody who, you know, this time of the year typically was our time to start ramping stuff up. Um, you, you know, with the the league um, shutting down all facilities, I mean, that's kind of been in the back of my mind. Is um, what's it going to look like here if we end up short? I know, I know, it's a little ways down the road, but it's not that far away. Um, 
I mean, you're talking, I mean, really, mini camps are just a little over a month away. Yeah. Because I mean, you usually have your first yeah. OTAs right after the draft. Like, the week after the draft, yeah. you'll bring those rookies in and some of the vets. So, I, I mean, to me, I just wonder if they're they're maybe going to lax the roster sizes for training camp and, and let, you know, let teams bring in as many people as possible. Because the reality is, right now, you've got everybody scattered all over. I mean, even your guys who stayed here locally... Uh, now they can't work out in the facility, so it's uh, I, I don't know. It's it, it, we're kind of in, in a in a funny area there, and that's where somebody like this, you know, like Donovan, he, you know, maybe this is his opportunity. He gets a chance if he comes in and he's ready, um, you, you know, maybe he can sneak onto a roster. But I think once again, he probably falls in that category that we put, uh, um, you know, Billings in or not Billings, uh, Johnson in. Um, that it's just somebody you're adding trying to get some reps, and it's up to them. You know, if they want to make the team, they make the team. If they don't, hey, you got reps out of them, um, and then you just let them go. Yeah, you know. Yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And, and and what's really funny is I think you might see some teams, right, you're going to have to rely a little bit more on maybe some of the analytics right now because you're not able to to work out guys and do some sort of thing. Granted, you still have plenty of film on yeah. these individuals. And I think that may help in also having teams not necessarily overthink things, yeah. right? Hey, let's not necessarily take huge you know, huge gambles on based on combine performance. Let's yeah. look at the film. And yes, you're using those things. You know, I was I was listening to one of the podcasts the other day. You know, hey, what's the threshold? Right. Hey, we need a wide receiver that can run between X fast and X fast. Right. If you're slower than that, we know that generally that's not going to be a productive NFL receiver. But if you're in this band, that's where productive NFL receivers come from. So, hey, then if you have those scoutable skills where, hey, we're talking route running, we're talking precision on those types of things that we can see on the field. And then you're within that band that we see a normal productive NFL player in. Then we're going to take okay, take the chance on that person. Yeah. Um, so I think it'll be an interesting combination of, of those two um, this year because teams aren't allowed to do some of the things right now. Yeah, well, and and, and you know, I think this year, most especially for the Browns, um, this year getting out of the gate hot is going to be crucial uh, because if you look at last year. The thing that killed us was st- that first game, that opening game that set the tone for the whole rest of the year. And with this new group, um, and I'm sure it's weighing heavy on them. I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure, you know, Andrew Barry gets it that we got to get out of the gate hot. Um, the other reason you got to get out of the gate hot is because this offseason is is going to be, you know, such a you know topsy turvy deal. Whoever gets out of the gate first, if you can get a couple games up on other teams and have other teams chasing you. That that's to your advantage. If you're the team doing the chasing, especially if you're a young team with a new head coach, new general manager, I mean, those things are going to start to weigh on you because um, the pressure is going to be on Andrew Barry. I know it's his first year and people are saying you got to give him leeway. Nobody's giving this guy leeway. I'll say that right now. Nobody's giving this guy any leeway. Every time we bring in a new regime, that window of just tolerance and, and, you know, patience gets smaller and, and smaller. It can't and it can because, smaller. you know what, nobody in, in any other team is going to give us leeway, yeah. right? There's no The 31 other NFL teams yeah. aren't looking around saying, hey, you know what, let this guy build something, give him some. No, they're trying to go out and crush you so you do get fired after year one or yeah. two or three. Um, you know, they're, so the fans in that standpoint I don't think are any different. Is Hey, at this point, this organization – 
has not performed over the last 20 years. I did, that's inarguable. Yeah. It's crazy that every decision they seem to be making this offseason has been great. Um, and that the world is going to hell in a handbasket. So maybe like, <laughs> maybe, yeah, exactly. Um, so you're looking at, at some of those things and you're like, are these th- how correlated are these things? Um, yeah. The correlation is not causation. Yes, we know. Um, so we'll look at the last of the defensive signings from that standpoint. You got BJ Goodson coming in, penciled in realistically at this point um, as maybe your starting middle linebacker, a guy who again is on a one-year prove-it deal not great in coverage has been kind of a spot starter primarily a backup through his career uh, you know some injury history it's it's an interesting one I, I'm along the lines of maybe some great depth so same thing with Sendejo here is if this guy's the starter first game of the season I might be a little concerned um, yeah. I'm not, but I'm not saying he can't do it, right? He's a younger guy, so you, you're re- better off, in my opinion, taking a chance on a younger guy than an older guy. I, I say a younger guy, and I'll say the other thing he brings in, you know, we talk about veteran presence, but the other thing that this team does not know how to do is win. And I think bringing in a kid from Clemson, I mean, he's obviously a kid that's been around winning and knows how to win. And I think that's another thing that, um, you know, when you get into this analytics thing, I mean, is there a column in your spreadsheet for that? Knowing how to win, um, because you could be the you could be the fastest, you could be the strongest, you can be whatever. But if you're from a losing program and you don't know how to win, um, I, I think we got to go with the guys that are winners right now. I, I mean, you have an entire locker room. I mean, if you have veterans on this team, you've got an entire locker room that is just. They are so used to not just losing, but losing at epic levels. <laughs> I mean, you know, if you got anybody that was there for the 0 and 16, 1 and 15, like how many people can honestly say in the history of football that they've lived through those two types of seasons back? To, I mean, that's a very yeah. rare. Well, year I think most era, of those right? guys have been purged from the roster, yeah. but still, there there still has not been a ton of success over yeah. any yeah. of the seasons prior to that or since that you know yeah. and i would even say even with last year i mean uh you, you know last year i think that that was one where um if, if you if you don't get rid of that stink you start to to breed that that losing culture with the next group so um i think yeah i uh, is he is he the starting linebacker uh, i mean nothing against bj goodson but I mean, God, we don't I have anybody not. else i mean yeah you know i mean that's the thing at this point um you're looking at Sion Takitaki or Jermaine Grace kind of on the depth chart at that middle linebacker spot. So he's the best of the bunch of what you have right now. So that's hockey, stinky, stinky. (laughs) So that's, that's where you're well, but that's, if that's what you're dealing with at this point, yeah, then, uh, I have to believe other than offensive tack, you know, offensive line, uh, that, that linebacker, an outside edge rusher position are, are going to be addressed either in the draft or here in the coming days. And you would hope. Agency. I mean, you would hope. I mean, right. and that's the thing, all right? Um, so, but at this point, right, when you're making the signings and looking at the roster, that's that's where he's slotting um, right. at this point. You're also then the next, actually a trade, right? So the Browns trade for a fullback and bring in 
uh, Andy Janovich from the Broncos for a 2021 um, seventh-round pick. Uh, what do you think of that, Tony? I, I You know, I'm, I'm big on I'm big on fullbacks and I'm big on tight ends, especially you know when we get late in November, December in this division. I mean, I, I think it's important to have those things. And if you look at the teams that have been successful in our division, um, they have had um, the ability to um, throw the ball to a tight end, and they've been had the ability to, to run late in the season. I think having that you know true fullback in the backfield, I think that that helps. Like I said, most most especially in November, December, when you're in those games and you're trying to grind it out, uh, yeah. you know. Um, so I yeah, I think it's a it's a great pickup. Uh, I mean, um, y- you know, we, we we certainly have not had a decent true fullback in a long, long time. Um, I'm here, so um, and two of them on the roster now. I mean, they picked up Johnny Stanton earlier, um, who was with the Vikings and knows the fancy system. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's it's. You know, I don't think anybody can really, truly tell you, hey, what's this guy, what year either of those guys bring into the table from the fullback role because, you know, in the modern NFL, most teams aren't utilizing them in the traditional fullback way. Yeah. But I think if you're looking at a system that Stefanski is going to put in place, there's going to be a lot of two tight end sets. There's going to be a lot of fullback usage, and it could be interesting. With Nick Chubb back there, and you got Beckham and Landry on the outside, you got a double tight end set. Hey, I'm interested to see what this offense can do next year, and, and I like the pickup as well. I mean, a seventh round pick—you're not giving up a whole ton. Uh, how many of those guys actually do make the roster from that standpoint? And if it's a 2021 pick, um, hopefully, it's not even going to be a very high pick yeah. in the seventh round. So yeah. it'll be um, a guy that uh, you might not have been interested in anyway. So uh, I got no problem with no, that. No, I, I definitely do not have a problem with that pickup. At all. The next one, um, Jojo Natson, uh, a guy who they, they're bringing in realistically um, solely as a kick returner. He's caught two passes in his NFL career. It's a small deal, as it should be. Um, Jojo, no offense to Jojo, average at best. Um, during his three years in the league, his average punt return uh, is 7.7 yards. His average kick return is 20.6. Um, those are both below league average. For punts, that league average is 8.1. For kick returns, the league average is 22.3 during that period of time. So he's about a half a yard short on punts and uh, about a yard and a half short on kick returns. He's got a decent long on a punt, a 60-yard long on a punt return, and a 32-yard long on a kick return, no touchdowns. Um, so guy you're bringing in, hopefully... Um, if you put a solid special teams unit around him, you got a kick returner. Um, I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with that signing. I don't know that there's a lot of guys out there that you're bringing in for that. I mean, again, he's not necessarily competing for a slot um, with the receiving core. It's can this guy produce, like you said earlier, during training camp and maybe show us something that uh, he can he can make a difference for this team. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I'm, am I jazzed about it? No, I mean it's <laughs> it's 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 a pickup. He's uh, you know it's like an extra screwdriver in your toolbox is is all he is. Um, yeah, when you got to put ninety guys on the field for training camp, right? Not every single one of those guys is going to be the greatest pickup no. you've ever seen in the history of the game. No, in 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 quite I like 
I, I mean, a lot of people are just brought in merely for reps. I mean, you know, you've you you've got to run through reps, and and you've got to uh, you know as as much as you don't think maybe so much about reps for special teams. I know the the big one you think about is quarterback because you don't want one guy making a zillion throws. But you know, uh, when you're if you're the special teams um, coordinator and you're trying to um, you know, you're trying to work your guys on drills for kick coverage. It's good to have a guy back there that can run back a kick. Now, is he the? He doesn't have to necessarily be the greatest in the league, but he's got to just be able to give you a look. So sometimes a guy like this will be brought in just to give you that look, and then it's up to him if if he busts, uh, you know, hind end and and he does, uh, you know, great things. Well, then okay, he becomes part of the team. If not, well, then he helps you out with those reps. So yeah. I, I mean. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing. It's 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 one of those positions where, hey, we're gonna need somebody to to do some things for us during camp. Yeah. Best case scenario, the guy shows us something. He makes the roster. He's able to contribute during the season, yeah. and no harm, no foul uh, from that stance. It's not like it's a you know twenty million dollar four year deal with you know sixteen million guaranteed or something <laughs> like that. Hey, we got him off the books, right? Yeah. Uh, so so an easy signing. You know that hey, hopefully he bears some fruit, and if not, hey, like you said, he'll eat some reps for some guys. So Tony, again, it does seem to be like everything is progressing nicely for the team. They're filling the holes that everybody was, you know, it was pretty obvious what the holes were going to be on the roster. So team, the team is largely filling those holes. Um, you're still looking for. Um, you know, an extra tackle, and you're still looking for some depth at that linebacker and uh, and safety and maybe defensive end as well. But the offense seems to be in pretty good shape if we can get another tackle. The defense, yeah. I think you need a couple spots, but I think you can focus on that on the draft and the re- remainder of free agency. And, and maybe get some guys on, you know, one-year deals, prove-it deals, or, you know, some, you know, two-year deals that, hey, we easily we release you after the second year. There's not a lot of dead cap space or anything like that. Uh, or after the first year, there's not a lot of dead cap space. So I think, you know, again, I, I have to agree that I'm pretty happy with what Andrew Berry has done this offseason yeah and, and I think you know for me that that offensive tackle we're in, we're in a, I think we're in a good position because you know the one beautiful thing about the picks not only have they been good picks but we have not I don't believe we've overreached on any of them we haven't overpaid on any of them and as a result we've got some um, you know we still have some room to make some deals I know you know Trent Williams is the big one that everybody's I'm looking at, but you know, the other thing I look at is, uh, you know, our position in the draft, where we sit. I, I know a lot of people are, are, are kind of leaning towards Andrew Thomas um, from Georgia. I, I, I think, man, we're, we're in a good spot. We put ourselves in a good spot to fill those holes. Now, er, yeah, everything still has to fall right for us, but um, I, I just think we're, we're in a decent spot. And I know even this morning, uh, or this morning, I should say, this morning. <laughs> my kids uh this morning they they um you know they did sign uh, a center so they they signed evan brown um once again i think he's a depth guy um he, you know was with the bills last um I, I believe he was with the bills last 
uh, or no, he was with the Giants and the in the Dolphins last season. Um, third season, AFC East. Yeah, yeah. SMU I mean, kid. Yeah. I mean, it, once again, it may just be somebody there to take some snaps. It, yeah, you know, Treader's. I don't think you're you're replacing Treader. I mean, he's yeah. been a solid performer. Or I don't think there's there's a reason to to move him on the yeah. on the line um, at all. But but you do. It is nice to have depth. It'll be yes. interesting to see if this kid can play. Obviously, if he can play the guard positions too, it'd be a nice pickup. But um, but I I think at that that left tackle. As much as it would be great for us to go after Trent Williams, if, if we weren't able to land him, I think we can address that position um, yep. in the first round. And it would be interesting, right? Because they they still they still do have forty six million in cap space, yep. right? So there is an opportunity to, you know, throw a significant signing bonus uh, amount at him because you're looking at their future years. At this point, they got seventy-six million essentially in cap space for next year as well, and obviously some of those the younger guys will need to be re-upped at that point. But I think there's plenty of space in this year to give uh, Trent maybe a three or four-year deal with a nice signing bonus up front, spread that out, and maybe a lower level of uh, guaranteed, you know, or, or annual pay, so he gets the guaranteed money up front, and that would be. I think that would be a coup for this team. If you could go into this offseason not necessarily knowing who your left tackle and right tackle are um, and come out of this with Conklin and Williams, (laughs) that would set this team up very nicely for the coming year. And, and, you know, then all the pressure, you know, we'll get to that, all the pressure goes on to Baker Mayfield at that point. Because if you've got if you've got the line, if you've got now you've got your two running backs, you've got your fullback. Uh, I believe we've got two solid tight ends right now. We've got obviously have our wide receiver core. All the pressure now would be on Baker Mayfield yeah. because all those people, everything everything a quarterback should need, you'll have. And if you don't get it done, like who's it going to be on? Yeah. I mean, and I think I think all the pressure's on him anyway, right? In year three of the the rookie deal. You know, you're going to have to make the decision this year as to what you're going to do for year five, um, given where he is and it was in the draft. So after this season, you're going to have to make that call. And I think all of the pressure is on him regardless. Um, Obviously, he can't control the defensive side of the ball, but if the offense performs the way it did last year, it's going to be really tough for Stefanski and, and co. not to see what options are. To moving on, yeah. um, from that standpoint, for the for the twenty twenty one season, oh, and then you know, Case Keenum leads us to the promise. Case one. Keenum, right, steps in, he pulls a Nick Foles, and yeah. uh, takes the Browns to the Super Bowl. That would be uh, that'd be nice. I'd take it, <laughs> take it. However, we can get there, Tony. Yeah. Uh, I don't care. I don't care. So. I think that's all we have for you, Browns backers. There's not a whole ton going on with the NFL offseason now that uh, the commissioner, I did believe, shut down all of the teams for the next two weeks because some teams were in states that mandated uh, lockdowns and some states didn't. So in order to level the playing field, they uh, shut down all of the teams for the next two weeks starting on Monday. So we'll see how that impacts all of the draft preparation it doesn't look like they're going to move the date of the draft they're still going to have it i think it's going to be a large social media presence trying to mail 
players, some uh, in-home cameras, get all that stuff set up so they can have they can connect to those uh, parties that, that the players are having with their families. Even though we're avoiding uh, large gatherings, Tony, yes, just yeah. just uh, you know, uh, immediate family members uh, at those venues, and hopefully get the player reactions that way, as opposed to the way they've traditionally been gotten for the last pretty much twenty years uh, of the draft coverage. Uh, you, you know, funny, funny, funny story. I'll end with this: is uh, speaking uh, speaking of the. Um, you know the draft and, and and finding out how you were picked. I mean, one of the one of the great stories that uh, was told to me during my time with the Browns was uh, Dick Shafrath, um, great left tackle for the Browns. He was the um, he was the gentleman who took over for Lou Groza uh, at left tackle and then carried that torch until he handed it off to uh, Doug Deacon and um, Ohio State uh, captain. I uh, was on the national championship team there, I believe in '57. Um, he tells a story that both him and um, also former Buckeye Dick LeBeau, the two of them were actually on the road with their guitars headed to Florida. Um, they wanted to start a band. Um, so they, I believe they both knew how to play guitar, and they just needed a lead singer, a drummer, and I don't know, someone on the cowbell. <laughs> you know? So uh, they're hitchhiking down. Need more cowbell. Yeah, they're, they're hitchhiking down to, uh, to Florida to... Um, to go ahead and put this band together, and about halfway down, as they're thumbing their way down to Florida, uh, Dick calls home, and um, you know is just checking in with his dad, and his dad's like, "Where the hell are you?" You know, and he's well, you know, we're about halfway to Florida, we, we're starting this band, and his dad's like, "You got to get your ass down here." Coach Brown just called, both he just drafted both of you idiots. You got to get up here. He's like, what are you talking about? And he says, yeah, you've both been drafted. You're playing for the Cleveland Browns. So they had to turn around and hitchhike all the way back to Cleveland and get there to report for camp. And uh, obviously, um, you know, we know what happened to Shafrath. Um, unfortunately for LeBeau, um, you know, he was trying to get, you know, get in on a roster that was already DB heavy um, at that time, the defensive, you know, backfield in 57 for the, for the for the Browns, fifty eight was just amazing. So um, he ends up getting cut, goes on to Detroit, and has a Hall of Fame season um, or Hall of Fame career. And um, obviously, um, if you know anything about football and you know anything about Dick Shafrath, I mean, he too should also be in the. As Hall I was going to say, if you're looking at right, I'm pulling. I got the I got the numbers here, right? And so you're talking Dick LeBeau as a Hall of Famer. He has. Uh, he's a three-time Pro Bowler, three-time Second Team All-Pro, mm -hmm. right? You're looking at Shafrath, seven-time Pro Bowler, four-time First Team All-Pro, right? And a guy who's not in the Hall of Fame, it just it doesn't make sense. In, in, in just about every other highlight for Jim Brown that you see him running, you're going to see one or two people out in front of Jim Brown. It's going to be John Wooten or it's going to be Dick Shafrath, and they are just literally obliterating <laughs> People, I mean, they're blowing up linebackers, blowing up DBs, and you will see Jim just scampering about um, behind their lead blocks. And, and um, the fact that both of those guys, Wooten and Shafrath, aren't in the Hall of Fame to me is is I don't want to get off on a on a rant, but I I really thought um, this year they would have you know corrected that error. But it's one of those things where I think there's such a backlog of just Browns guys that belong in there that it's going to be tough for them to get well, in. Well, and it's tough. I mean, it's tough. Offensive linemen don't have the stats. No. You know, I mean, there's not stats, especially for guys in that era. 
So, you know, you weren't measuring pancake blocks or there weren't some of the advanced statistics that might actually help these guys in their cases where you see that, you know, for modern players, their offensive line gets a little more love um, than you see from some of the other types of things. So, yes, hopefully that will get rectified. um, And hopefully, you know, you're looking at, you know, Dick's an 83-year-old guy. He ain't getting any younger, so no, you no. know the NFL needs to correct that, and the Pro Football Hall of Fame needs to correct that and and do that quickly. Uh, but just imagine, right? Dick Shafrath and and LeBeau could have been, you know, Jimmy Buffett before Jimmy Buffett. Oh, it, it, <laughs> Shafrath. If, if social media had existed when Shafrath was playing. I mean, he he would have blown up social media. I mean, here's a guy in the off season. He used to he used to wrestle bears in the off season. He uh, he one time uh, he was doing a radio show up in Cleveland, and he was talking to a, a guy down in Wooster owned a car dealership. He says, "Hey, what do I got to do to get one of them free cars?" Uh, you know, kind of jokingly. And uh, the guy says, "Well, if you can run from Cleveland all the way to Wooster, you can have any car you want in the lot." And Dick Shafrath ran all the way from that radio station all the way to Wooster and showed up at the parking lot. He's like, where's my car? Um, promoted as he had a canoe livery in Mohican. He canoed all the way from Cleveland to Canada uh, just for the hell of it, just to promote his canoe livery. I mean, he's certainly a guy that was ahead of his time. Um, you, you know, and, and when you look at him and the Gene Hickerson, you know, that group, hell, they used to hang out whenever Elvis was in town. They would hang out with Elvis and... Shafrath would hang out with the Beatle. I mean, it's it's crazy. Um, but yeah, he does belong in the, the the football Hall of Fame. And if he doesn't get in the football Hall of Fame, just the the cool ass dude Hall of Fame. Hey, that's that might be a better Hall of Fame, right? <laughs> it, it wouldn't have OJ Simpson in it, so no. it would be at yeah. least one person better. Uh, <laughs> so, all right, Browns backers, that's all we got for you today, and we'll talk to you next week on Believe in the Brown. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger. For the ones who get it done.